Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Tom Foodery. It is Thursday. I April love it that way. Yeah. Thursdays come along just nicely. They do, just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, and we could come back and do a lot of them all over again. Not Thursdays or podcasts? They're either you one. only get one Thursday a week. One Thursday, that's it, huh? Yeah, just and one a week, that's it. Yeah. Well, and look what we wind up doing on most Thursdays. Well, the heck with that. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. I think for the last six of them, we've been doing podcasts, which is what this is, Tom Foodery, for today. Tom, it is National Raisin Day. Raisin Day. She says that with a note of dismissiveness. Hmm. Well, you like raisins? Uh, I, I like uh, a couple of things about raisins. One of them is uh, when I make bread pudding, which I do fairly often. Uh, and there's a controversy always uh, about it. Uh, I have raisins in my bread my pudding. bread pudding. Uh, but the funny thing is that a lot of the people listening, uh, they sort of reject that for some reason because uh, not everybody likes it. Uh, but I think it's just a personal uh, back and forth, back and forth that we see. But it's interesting that it's so constant that I always have uh, noticed this. Uh, okay, bread what, bread pudding with or without ra raisins? <clears throat> it's a big deal. People keep going back and forth on their thoughts about that. Well, you know, it's, uh, I guess it goes back to whether or not you actually like raisins. Now, before we go into whether or not you actually like raisins, what is the difference between a golden raisin and your basic raisin? Uh, there's not much of one, uh, and if you were to taste them, I think you would find that pretty much the, there's hardly any difference. Like in a blind taste test, it would not be different. Yeah, I mean, really, the only thing going on here is very similar to, you've heard about white wines and red wines, right? Well, if you just take that and plug it into uh, anything along the way of raisins, you have exactly, precisely what's going on with, with these people. Yeah, wine and raisins are, well, because the grapes are all the same. It's just. Well, raisins are a raisins. Well, now, are golden raisins made of green grapes and regular raisins made of purple grapes? You or? could ask it done that way uh, if the place you're going has those. Let me, let me read what you have here. Raisins are ultra-ripe red grapes, allowed to remain on the vine or picked and left to open in open baskets, or left to ripen in open baskets. Raisins are very good for you, but not everybody likes them. I wonder what the actual percentage is of people who like raisins versus those that don't. Whatever we make a pan of bread pudding in which raisins are a common ingredient, we always put all the raisins on one side, leaving the other raisin free. I don't know why you say that, Tom, because you're the only one who eats bread pudding, period, at this house. Well, there you go. The strangest use of raisins we ever heard was a game played in England a century ago. You'd put raisins in a bowl of brandy and ignite them in a darkened room. The game was to reach into the flames and pluck out raisins, then eat them. They'd still be on fire, but as soon as you closed your mouth, the flames would be, flames would be extinguished. And then in your almanac, because I'm, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, well, who in the world? And uh, the almanac has in italics, we do not recommend this game. Yes, I would say that that would be uh, sort of an understatement. Who in the world would do? Well, you know what? Before television and Netflix, I guess they really were desperate for things to do. Mm -hmm. 
Well, uh, th- we've just brought back what we were talking about, the raisins, uh, a little while ago, because whatever can happen with the raisins can also happen to grapes. And grapes are, raisins. everybody, you know, c- has that figured. It started out as raisins. But, um, you know, in all of those uh, movies that I love and all of the uh, books that I've enjoyed, I am a true Jane Austenite. Um, I, I remember seeing all of these evenings in the parlor and they would sit and play games and just sort of sit and listen to one person play music. You would have done really well there, Tom, because you would always have been the one at the piano singing. Boy, I wish I were the guy at the piano because I would be there all the time. Yeah, you would. Uh, but, I mean, singing. There's like a person who stands behind the piano player singing. And this was just how they passed the time back then. So I guess if you think about it that way, uh, this game of igniting uh, raisins and putting the fiery ones into your mouth makes sense. Well, I mean, that would never make sense. But I guess it makes more sense, let's say. Well, it's again, your, your thoughts about raisins versus uh, grapes. So uh, however that plays will solve your problem on the other thing. Okay, so I'm going to have to try golden raisins and regular raisins if I was really that interested in it, but I'm not. I have eaten raisins, and I actually don't mind raisins. If I had to... If this had gone a lot worse than it had and we were had to resort to eating raisins, I would... I would be less disheartened by that than if I had to resort to eating sardines, for example. (laughs) Yeah, well, we uh, often have that around here. Well, we do, but we don't eat them. That's why they've been on the shelf for, you know, 20 years. Today in 1812, the territory of Orleans was admitted to the United States as the state of Louisiana. The 18th state. This is also the day in 1803 when Thomas Jefferson signed the Louisiana Purchase, making it officially part of the United States. Our state is named for King Louis XIV, the son king of France. Even by the standards of kings, he lived in an extraordinarily high style. His taste for great food and wine encouraged the development of French cuisine, which New Orleans inherited as part of the empire. That sounds about right. Uh, it's uh, it was a very busy thing for all everybody who was involved with it. Uh, everybody was going for this as uh, almost a conquer uh, act mm-hmm. uh, on the part of the snail people. I mean, not the snails. The, uh, the sometimes you get these backwards. The French. Uh, but the the French uh, raisins becoming raisins. Oh, we're back to raisins. Okay. No, let's leave the raisins behind because there's enough said about raisins. Enough said about raisins. Today is uh, the end of National Soy Foods Month. <laughs> what, what? National Soy Foods Month. You know what, Tom? When soy, S-O-Y, soy foods. You know, uh, I think that that soy foods are actually pretty good. I like edamame. No? No, I do. I like it. There's actually an edamame hummus. I just wanted to use the word hummus. Mm, um, there. <laughs> no, there's a really great edamame hummus at um, Poydras and Peter's in the bar. For a happy hour, they have it. It's, it's actually really good. Hmm. I like hummuses made out of different things. 
Well, different people like different things, but uh, in, especially with these uh, raisins and grapes. Oh, we're back to raisins. There is no, give me that paper. There we go. We can, we can, we can <laughs> Tom keeps looking at the paper saying raisins and grapes. No. Um, nope, we're, we're, we're going to drag you along, Tom. There is no, nothing in common uh, with soy and raisins. We're on soy now. Soy products, edamame. Uh, which is really hot. As a matter of fact, some of these kitty meals for uh, healthier kids um, have edamame, edamame in um, uh, their little like carrot sticks, and edamame is part of their little vegetable pack. But I do like uh, edamame um, soy sauce. I mean, that's delicioso. Mm. Uh, yes, it is. And you know, there is a, another. A component of this that I would love to bring into the conversation right now. Uh, in if it's raisins, I'm going to smack you with the mic. Uh, no, it w- it would be kind of related to. Uh, is that too mu- too close? What uh, the raisins? <laughs> what what is what you're about to say? <laughs> well, there's an Italian raisin. <laughs> it is no 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 raisins, Tom. Oh, okay. Uh, I will. We're going to shake you. Shake the raisins out of your head, Tom. Shake the raisins out of your head. Okay, so uh, (laughs) you're so delicate. Okay, so no more raisins. There will be a, there will be a, every time the word raisin comes up in this show, we're moving on officially and for real. Um, Oh, you know what? You know what I can get to make you move on, Tom? Guess what? Today, in 1945, a radio show started on CBS Radio featuring, you know who, your all-time idol. Hmm. It was an actual program? Nope. nope, No? Nope, nope. Arthur Godfrey. Arthur Godfrey? Oh, what a guy. Started his radio show today in 1945. Uh, Arthur Godfrey was so well known around the everywhere in America and, and was a, a figure who you had, to, you had to stop what you were doing and, and see what he was doing. He was a, an utterly unique. He was very influential, that's for sure. Very much so, and everybody copied him too, which was uh, interesting. Uh, and the, the sad You kind of copy him, don't you? I sort of kind of like I mm-hmm. could be. Uh, fortunately, the show that Arthur Godfrey did did was one that was not going to stay around a long, long time uh, just because everything was changing in, in all the rest of things happening and happening in broadcasting. I'm going to get that yet. And uh, and he was always coming out with a new uh, idea, and that took away uh, people who con- competed with him. He was on the air uh, for close to till 1972. Years. Till 1972. Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, remember hearing him go off the air. It was. Uh, you said when his show was the last remnant of old-time network radio. It was a variety show with live music, interviews with guests, and joking around by Godfrey. Perhaps the most influential program in broadcasting history, its format is still in use by most television talk shows. Godfrey did all the commercials himself, ad-lib. His most loyal client, sponsor, was... Do you remember? 
We mentioned it the other day, Lipton Tea. He even made their dried soup mixes sound good. Arthur Godfrey. Gartha Godfrey. If I could say it, it would be, yeah, but that's how he really was. Fun if you can he, say it. Uh, uh, but yeah, that was uh, Arthur Godfrey. You couldn't do his, Arthur. He's underappreciated. His very first broadcast featured, among other things, uh, that Lipton Tea yeah. was the sponsor of his program, uh-huh. and they were for pretty good to five uh, fifty. Probably the entire time. Probably yeah. the entire time. But um, nobody knows much about it. Oh, excuse me. What Lipton Tea? He probably he probably made Lipton tea uh, ubiquitous in American households. Would be my guess. There's no question about that. He was a huge. Uh, 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 you said perhaps. But if you weren't on his list, you weren't going to get on his list. He uh, was. If you were on his other list, you had a problem. He did. <laughs> he was probably uh, one of those people that was one person on the air and another off the air, of which there are many. You said it's really a shame that the only thing most people remember about him is that he fired singer Julius LaRosa on the air. That's what it's to this day. I've, I've heard that come up. Uh, that's uh, that was that's awful, but that was kind of who he was, wasn't it? Wonderfulness was not uh, yeah, not, Godfrey's. Something, not something you thought about. It's kind of like Chevy Chase. I don't know if you ever heard that thing about Chevy Chase, but yeah. someone, someone in the business was telling someone else in the business about someone that they knew who had gotten blown off the edge of the Grand Canyon and died. And the person responded with, what a pity he wasn't shaking hands with Chevy Chase at the time. (laughs) That's terrific. So if you're remembered like that, that's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah. Anyway, Arthur Godfrey says, he made, he made a says in here, poor, 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 boiling hot water into the cup and let it sit for a few seconds. Pour it out, then fill the cup again with boiling hot water and Lipton tea, the brisk tea. You can use the flow-through tea bag, but for me, it's always Lipton tea leaves. Always. Ah. He also did, uh, Lipton had some other products, one of yeah. which uh, were uh, frozen. No, not frozen. Dinners. No, they were dried soup mixes. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. take that. Yeah, uh, that's what you have here. So <laughs> I'm just reading off of your almanac. So yes, Arthur Godfrey, Tom, one of your two big idols. I think the other one was um, uh, Richard Collin. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, back to the Louisiana Purchase. In 1904, 101 years after the Louisiana Purchase was signed, Theodore Roosevelt officially opened the Louisiana Purchase World Exposition in St. Louis. It was such a tour de force that its memory lives on in many ways. This is where the hot dog, the hamburger, and the ice cream cone are all reputed to have been invented. If they were not, they certainly became popular as a result of the fair. Dr. Pepper little known before the fair was a big hit after I thought the ice cream cone wasn't there another world's fair that no no it was St. Louis it was St. Louis uh, throughout the first oh uh, how many times uh, did that happen uh the sculpture sculpture the uh are you talking about the St. Louis um 
Arch? No, I was uh, working my uh, way into saying that uh, there were a lot of shifts in culture. The entire first third or half of the United States. And if you look down the, the uh, uh, things, books, everything that was written on the subject of, of St. Louis and Chicago and, and, and New York City, all of these. Places that had World's Fairs? Yeah, or, or have had them more than once in, uh -huh. in a couple of cases. Uh, but uh, it, it was something that was there for a while and then moved on. Yeah, and I think that's true of, uh, it just goes to show you the last Louisiana World's Fair was in 1985, and it was, for all intents and purposes, um, a proof that their time has gone. Yeah, that certainly happened. I mean, I think, I think something like that would be really popular Again, when there isn't all of the modern life distractions that there are now. In 1904, there wasn't nearly the stuff to do that there was in 1984. And I think that made a huge difference in the success of the fair. Really a new culture. Uh, in in at in uh, nineteen oh you you meant eighteen. No, talking about no no I'm talking about nineteen oh four versus nineteen eighty four proving that the concept of the World's Fair had been passed by by modern life. You know it just wasn't that much of a, of a success although they did really try hard. I mean I thought that that gondola across the river was a really cool thing and in our city the remnants of the World's Fair are seen everywhere. The revitalization of the warehouse district into a wonderful neighborhood is what happened for the, for the World's Fair. In Audigan Park. Well, I don't know. You might be going back to the original one, but, um, but I know yeah, that the, yeah. The no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the 1984 World's oh, Fair, the last one, which proved that we should not have any more. That one is the one that revitalized the warehouse district into what it is now. You know, it's, it's funny this comes to my mind right now, but it puts a smile in my mouth. Uh, a lot of the uh, results of that World's Fair. World's Fair and every other thing, uh, there were a couple of items that, that uh, really uh, put a smile on, your, on my face, anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's the... Uh, the lady who's uh, the lady who's what? The, who uh, is on top of the box uh, of what? Yeah. And of what? Box of what? Yeah. And so the lady on the front of the box of what? Of going to get pancakes. Pancakes. Ah, okay. And so Aunt Jemima. You remember her? Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima. Mm -hmm. And not only was she apparently just a really wonderful person, and she was always... She was an actual person? She was an actual person. Ah. She was not a joke. She was not a cartoon of herself. What does she have to do with the World's Fair? Uh, she was taken by the World's... Uh, oh, so she was at the World's Fair. Actually there. Ah, okay. Uh, not every second, but most yeah. of the time uh -huh. she was there, and her life went on beyond the fair. And uh, everybody grabbed hold of her to become part of what Well, she became a celebrity, yeah. She was a major celebrity. She also became very, very wealthy. I'm sure. And uh, uh, she was so much liked that she is given credit for a lot of uh, people uh, for being a, a really uh, 
huge. A philanthropist? Yeah, but also there was a, uh, just this idea that you don't have to, you know, whip on people all the time. You can always just be, be nice. nice. Be nice, yeah. Life. Was that in the early World's Fair? Was that like 1904 World's Fair? Maybe a little later than that, but, but not by a lot. It okay. was uh, it was out there. She was... Uh, well, thank heaven to the World's Fair for bringing us the hot dog and hamburger and ice cream cone because those are pretty much iconic, classic American things to eat, and they are good. Yes, they are. Especially they are. if you like pancakes. Okay, we, we're leaving the, we're going back to pancakes. Move on with me, Tom. Move on. Today in 1975, it's a little depressing, but it is, it does have a point. I would normally leave something like this out. But today in 1975, the last American helicopter pulled away from the American embassy in Saigon as South Vietnam surrendered to North Vietnam and the Vietnam War ended in embarrassment. An upshot of the pullout was that many Vietnamese people relocated to the United States, many of them here in New Orleans, where they have done themselves proud. Most of our Vietnamese restaurants are at least indirectly descended from that exodus of Vietnamese people here. The Vietnamese culture in New Orleans culinarily is major the influence of that event in our city's culinary history is major yes it is yeah. and and it has it at the time vietnamese food was sort of rudimentary but it has become a gourmet item here and the assimilation of the Vietnamese into our local cuisine and the influences of the French and all of that have made it quite uh, quite a delicious thing to do. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Oh, sure. Well, yeah. This is uh, a, not a joke. Oh, it's gone very hip. I mean, look yeah. at the likes of MoFo and all the other places that, uh, you know, there's some that are still basic sort of Vietnamese places where the Vietnamese... Uh, people for generations just go and eat mm -hmm. breakfast. That would be our dinner at eight o'clock in the morning. But um, but the the really gourmet places are really good, you know. Anyway, and the, the mofos and the maypops and that sort of thing. Maypops. Yes, we have a restaurant by. That. That's what I'm saying. Maypop and mofo. Uh, Michael Galata was heavily influenced by uh, Vietnamese culture, and um, and so he has done something pretty great with that cuisine and melding it into his own Louisiana roots. Tom, your edible dictionary for today is farina. 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 That rings a bell, but I don't yeah. know. It's a generic word for flour come direct, coming directly from Latin. Although the word is rarely used in recipes, it sometimes describes the presence of some kind of flour in a dish. Yeah, that, that is it, but it mistakenly, more or less. Especially when it might not necessarily be wheat flour. A, flour, a food containing flour is said to be farinaceous. Farinaceous. Yes. Well, <clears throat> there was a, 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 a while there when people would, were making little words like that up sometimes so but it's kind of cute 
No, I think I think that this uh, is probably uh, factual, farinaceous. In some places, farina has come to mean potato flour. In Italy, there once was something called farina dolce. It was a flour made from chestnuts used in very hard times, not often seen even in Italy in these days. Chestnuts are, ugh. That's the only word I can say for it. I'm sorry. Uh, I've tried them. I've tried them. I've tried them. I want to love chestnuts. I want to be swept up in the chestnuts roasting on an open fire. But uh, is that how you feel about chestnuts? Oh, yeah, I sure do. And it was also created by a very good singer. And, uh, what, chestnuts roasting on an open fire? Well, you know, the, the chestnut itself is just like a mouthful of starch. There's no anything to it. And I could see how it could make a good flour because a flour is just, some, flour is just something that thickens things. So if you had something made out of, a flour made out of chestnuts, it would thicken it, but then you could actually add flavor to it. But chestnuts by themselves, when somebody tells me they like chestnuts, I, I look at them twice. Um, yeah, all of that is true. I'm just sitting here trying to dig up uh, Mel Torme. Ah, we're trying to think of a singer. Okay. Torme. So performed at many, Mel many. Mel Torme. Mel Torme. Who had rode chestnuts on an open fire? Chestnuts roasting on them. And he, he had a little... Uh, Zip to it. Zip to I don't think honest. I don't think he wrote that song, Tom. He wrote it. Mel Torme wrote Chestnuts. Up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't ever challenge you on things like that. No, you're right. Well, oh, I, I say was. I don't think he's. I think he's still around. Yeah, he is. Mel Torme. Uh-huh. I, I got a chance to have lunch with him, uh-huh. which blew my mind because I was told that he didn't take any rehearsals with anybody, uh-huh. uh, but he was at the Roosevelt Hotel. And I had lunch with him, and it was a big thrill. And I kept throwing stupid uh, uh, ideas about laying on some 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 of those chestnuts that he had. But you know, there's some. Let's get down with it on on that because there's something in it. Uh, coconut uh, chestnuts. <clears throat> chestnuts used to consist of somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 35 percent of. Uh, of foodstuffs uh-huh. in America uh, on the east side of uh-huh. of uh, Mississippi, uh-huh. and uh, it, it was. Uh, and then it got decimated by some kind of thing. There was, was a thing? yeah, it yeah. was uh, a, a disease of some kind, and it killed twenty five percent of the population. They are very difficult to hard find, yeah. but I know where one is. Where? If you go to, it's in Metairie. Uh-huh. If you, you go to a, a Whitney Bank. Uh-huh. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. No, I, I, um, I'm not, it's not one of those. Um, it's not one of those? Okay. It's not one of those. Okay. It's, uh, anyway. Um, okay, we're going to finish up the Tom Foodery for today with oh. a word to eat by. Oh. I enjoyed being with him. Yes. A hardened and shameless tea drinker has for 20 years diluted his meals with only the infusion of this fascinating plant whose kettle has scarcely time to cool, who with tea amuses the evening, with tea solaces the midnight, and with tea welcomes the morning. I think he just described me. That was Samuel Johnson. A good, good roundup.
For a tea drinker, I think that's absolutely pretty, pretty accurate. You also have, oh, the old kitchen sage says, if wine is better with age and a raisin is a grape with age, why do grapes taste better than raisins? And would you get the aged wine taste if you made wine with raisins? I think there are many questions to be answered here. Hell, there. <laughs> there sure are. We'll have to um, we'll have to think about that a little bit more. All right, Tom, that is it for today's Tom Foodery. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it greatly. Yes, me too. It was a good almanac today. Uh, join us tomorrow for another Tom Foodery and for the new show starting Monday, two to four. <laughs> two to four. On weekdays, WGSO 990, you can call us. Well, I've done that before, but it's been a very long time. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it again. All right, folks, and see you tomorrow. But, but This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Tom has always loved that.